You're listening to Two Therapists in Therapy, a podcast about self-acceptance, self-love, self-growth, and connection. I'm your host, Sarah Brill, a licensed clinical social worker, licensed marriage and family therapist, and EMDR trauma therapist, and an Enneagram 4. And I'm your other host, Becca Moravec, licensed professional counselor, licensed marriage and family therapist, and certified intuitive eating counselor, and an Enneagram 2. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Becca. How are you? Um, I am wishing we had 17 million more hours because there's always so many things I want to talk to you about. I know. How are you? We used to have 17 million more hours. I know. <laughs> I know. And then we became parents. I know. I remember <laughs> distinctly one time someone being like that was a parent saying to me when I was not a parent, man, I really wonder what I did with all my time before I was a parent. And it like pissed me off. But now I'm like, no, seriously, like <laughs> what did I do with all my time? Just all the things. Yeah. Just everything. Four, just, four hour conversations. Yes. And, yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So how are you feeling? I am feeling. I'm feeling like relieved is like the big feeling in my life lately. Um, I feel like I have entered like a season of relief. Ooh, say more. Um, I just have <laughs> had a lot of hard stuff in my life, <laughs> not to be like dramatic, but just like a lot of big things for a long time, like since the year 2019. And I, I just don't have any big things right now. Like I'm not going through fertility treatments. I'm not pregnant. I'm not going through relational issues the way I have. I'm not like grieving people. Knock right on now. wood. Knock yeah. on wood. <laughs> Knock like on immediately. It. I know. Right there. There's I know. wood. <laughs> and even if it's a very short time, like even if it's this week, I, uh, and like just like taking care of things. I had a, a tooth extraction and implant placed um, for a baby tooth that is still in my mouth. And if you're wondering why it happens, because you don't have adult teeth behind it to push the tooth out so the baby teeth just stay. And then um, I've been avoiding this since like 2017 when I got it taken care of. So I'm just like feeling like relief. Like, oh, we just take care of things. I'm so proud of you how Thanks. you go to the doctor and the dentist. Thanks. <laughs> I really need Call to Call your on dermatologist, that. I know. Sarah. I have had it. Like, it's so funny. It's like on my to-do list every week. I'm like, call the dentist call the dermatologist and then I like hmm somehow I just didn't find time to get to either of those two items I'll just move them over to the next week okay. but I have to do it I really do I've got to so yeah. I'm holding myself accountable and I'm really proud of how you do those really hard things thanks I was thinking about it as self-care and sometimes self-care is really not fun mm-hmm. but the relief that you get from taking care of the hard things is really worth it and really honoring to you. It really is. So I'm going to be on you. And this is listener, your reminder to call your dentist, call your dermatologist, <laughs> make that, you know, yearly appointment that you're supposed to have, schedule your mammogram, whatever it is that you need to do. Let's just take care of ourselves and do the hard thing. Yeah. Hard. That's hard self-care though. Good job. Thanks. 
And I'm just really happy to be with you. I just love recording and our families are getting together after we're recording. And so it's a happy time. It is a really happy time. It's really fun. Yeah. How are you feeling? Uh, I, how am I feeling? I think a tiny bit anxious. Um, anxious because, um, we only have a limited amount of time to record and I want to get everything in there that we want to say. And also anxious because you and I just had a slightly hard conversation before this, but also really happy because we, um, just can communicate so easily. And it's a really beautiful part of our friendship that we've cultivated over a long time. It's crazy. We've been friends for like almost 10 years. I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, this year. Whoa. Yeah. We should have a party. We should have a party. It coincides <laughs> with my wet marriage. It does. So, mm-hmm. Oh my god! Uh, it really. I got does. married in the spring, and I'm then so I met sad. Sarah in the fall. I n- I didn't go to your. I didn't know you in time to go to your wedding. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, I think I'm just feeling a little bit like. Um, but I'm also feeling calm because we we talked through what we needed to talk through. But um, yeah. So anxious and calm at the same time, if that's possible. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So what are we talking about? Oh, I'm so excited for what we're talking I about. I can tell. I can feel your I can feel I your excited vibes. Like my energy around this topic is like one of my favorite things. And I just think it's like the most not the most, but some of the most powerful healing stuff we can work on. Yeah, for sure. So um, take it away. Explain to us what we're talking about. Yeah, it's interesting. <clears throat> It's uh, February. It's the month of love. And we talk about self-love on this podcast. You look really Valentine's-y today, by the oh, way. Thanks. It's really cute. Thanks. Let's swear pink and red and hearts all month long. You're yeah. also Valentine's-y. Oh, my gosh. I am. Wow. That's crazy. I am wearing pink. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. Sorry. But, like, I love the topic of self-love here because I, I – there's a few things. There's, like, um, we're talking about – emotional safety and inner child work and how those connect to for us to have healthier relationships with others and with ourselves. Does that feel like a good synopsis of what yeah, we want to get think, to at? Ooh, sorry. I think we also were wanting to talk about like how that intersects with friendship because one of the things you were mentioning that I think is really interesting is how we have this sort of like we can have this obsession in our culture with like partnership and, um, and wanting to find, you know, a companion to walk through life with. And not that that isn't important, but practicing healthy friendships, um, can be a really important step. Number one in finding a healthy partner. Um, but also, um, healthy friendships can be so incredibly satisfying and wonderful, um, and life-giving and life-giving and are worth all of as much, if not more focus than focusing on finding a partner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's what you were saying. Is yeah. that right? 
Yeah, I just think like I, I, I I've talked about this before in past years. I love Valentine's Day, and people I know go Ugh, about it. Um, I love that you love Valentine's Day. What do you love about it? I think because I'm relational, and we are relational, and showing love to others is so important, and showing love to ourselves is so important, and showing love to romantic partners if you're in a romantic partnership is important. And I'm like, what is not to love about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, totally. Yeah. And so yeah. So I was just thinking about explaining how I frame this with my clients and within my own work. Um, and maybe it'll just, un- the conversation will unfold. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Okay. So there is an idea that we have an essential self. Um, and I will kind of talk about what I think about it. And I would love to hear what you think the essential self is. And like, like when I'm writing about it, I might like capitalize self with an S. It's like a being. Um, and therapy, I think, is how we – is one way we work to get to our essential self. And our essential self is like our most grounded, authentic, connected being. The part of us that like knows truth about us, like can stay grounded in times of turmoil can connect to inner peace, um, is like developed, emotionally intelligent, like all these beautiful things. What would you add to what the essential self is or your well, wise self? It's interesting because as you were as you were speaking, I was thinking about like how old is the essential self? Like oh. is the essential self always developing or like when do we come into contact with our essential self? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I like to think of it as an ever expanding piece. Like I don't, I mean, as we've always said on here, I don't know that we ever arrive. Maybe somebody has arrived before and they haven't got an experience. I've never really come across that before. Maybe like enlightenment would be it. Yeah. It's interesting because I was, I'm part of a writing group and I, we met on Friday and on Thursday night, I had just finished an incredibly taxing week of work, working full time. And I taught a class, um, for the past five weeks and I just had zero time to prepare something for the writing group. And, um, so I went into my old journals and was looking for something to just type up from what I'd written. And I was looking back on my process of things I've been through and challenges I faced. And I was thinking as I was reading like, wow, I really, and this is not to pat myself on the back. This is just about like observing my process. Like, wow, I really, really have done a lot of work. And also I feel like I'm further along in my journey now than I was yeah, two years ago, five years ago. And I feel like there was still so much wisdom that I was tapping into at that point. Yes. So it's interesting to think about like how, I think I was connecting with my essential self and also like my essential self now has more answers than it did then. Yeah, that's so beautiful. That's exactly how I think about it. Like, like oftentimes when I'm meeting with a client or doing my own work, you can see the essential self throughout the life, throughout someone's life. And you're like, it's there when you knew that you shouldn't have been treated this way or that you wanted something different. It was there when you made this decision. And like, I think that it is so fun to like see it and give yourself some credit because oftentimes I also think therapy is um, can be such a source of grief for people because they're like, well, why didn't I know this? And because you don't know 
what you don't know, right? But but also praising and celebrating your essential self that has gotten you to where you are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Can you give some examples of kind of what you're talking about? Um, like someone who like hmm, doesn't – I don't know, who has always made different decisions than their family. And now they maybe have more groundedness and self-acceptance around that. Um, but they have grief that like when they used to try to fit in and, but we might point out like, but you've always had a part of you that wanted to do something different. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that an example? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Totally. So like, I think that sometimes we can grieve, like when we get more in touch with our essential self, we're like, well, I wish I was like that 10 years ago. I wish I knew that 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I wish I was this grounded or this sure or this confident or whatever. And it goes, but that those part of you existed then, but just not as fully as it does now. Totally. And then it just keeps getting more full. Yeah. 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 It's such a journey. Yeah. So I'm curious as we're talking about this, um, I'm thinking about what we kind of initially said we wanted to to talk through. And I'm curious how for you, how do you think the essential self is different from the inner child? Yeah. I mean, and how, and how, and I'm going to stack these questions and how are both of those parts of ourselves connected to being in healthy relationship with people? Yeah. I think that our work is to become integrated. Say, say what you mean by that. Well, yeah. So, so I think that like our essential self is the, all of the parts of ourselves integrated in like a healthy way. And that's like a big definition. I don't know. I would have to like write about what that means. But what I think that that means in terms of inner child work is um, like becoming integrated means like going inward and attuning to and helping parts of ourselves that have been hurt or have narratives that don't serve us anymore and like integrating them into our wisdom. And so my inner child work has been, and I always can connect this to like our Enneagram work and I think it's connected. And so my inner child might think, for example, um, might get really scared if like um, I'm not invited to something like let's say I see that like my friends got together and my inner child is feeling wounded and if I don't know that that's my inner child I might just act angry I might be passive aggressive I used to be super passive aggressive um but if I can connect to her and go like she's so sad because she's feeling left out right so the part of me that's feeling sad actually feels pretty young and so I might go talk to her like as my wise self and say like hey you're feeling left out that makes sense like meet her with a lot of compassion but also just because your friends have their own friendships doesn't mean there's less for you, right? Because sometimes friends want to hang out in different dynamics, right? So that's actually something real that I probably attuned to my inner child about. And then because she was never told that, like her story was you have to be everything to everyone and then you'll be included all the time. Mm. And my wisdom, my essential self knows you can mean a lot to someone and they can also have a friend who's not you, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And so I get to go meet her and like 
I have like this picture that I don't know if I can verbally describe, but I'm like bringing her into me now and mm, saying, right. Cause she's like, she's totally. existing almost outside of me. And I'm saying, come in, come in. We're mm-hmm. okay. Like your desire to belong is good. Mm-hmm. And I will take that, mm-hmm. but let's leave the like fear of rejection at the door. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? That makes total sense. That's so beautiful. So how do you think that's connected to having healthy relationships and healthy friendships? Yeah. Well, I mean, then I'm not passive aggressive. <laughs> and then, like, I don't get mad when you're hanging out with our friend Grace without me. Uh huh. Right. Totally. Like, there, like, people have, there would be, there would have been a time if I saw Sarah hanging out with another friend, which this sounds bananas to me, but like I connecting totally to the compassion, I would be like, did I do something? Mm-hmm. Why didn't they invite me? Mm-hmm. They must not like me. I'm too much they're sick of me. I would come up with all these narratives. Right. And so I get to be a better friend by like giving permission there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So that stuff doesn't show up. And if it does, if I'm like really like, Hey, I should have been invited to that. Then I might say something like, mm-hmm. Hey, I'd like to come next time or something. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe like, I think for me, I think in super emotionally safe relationships, like I think the one that you and I have, if I feel like my inner child is is feeling scared about something, then I'll say like, hey, and I did right before we started recording today, like, hey, my inner child is feeling scared that yeah. X, Y, Z. And um, and I can't remember if I asked you to to speak to – I can't remember if I, if I spoke to my own inner child for myself or – we like kind of spoke together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're, so that's a healthy, yeah. a healthy relationship is going to be, I'm not the only person attuning to my inner child. Yeah. Right. I can also say like, I, like I could say Sarah, like my inner child is telling me that you left me out because you hate me. Yeah. And, and then, then I can say like, thank you so much for sharing that with me. That is so not my intention. And I would never want to make you feel that way. Yeah. And I really appreciate you sharing. Yeah. And then the job would be for both my inner child and my wisdom to connect to that. My like, yeah, I, I often use wisdom for essential self, but so my essential self to connect to that. So I think it, yeah, I think in a, so you just brought in another component, which is emotional safety, where we can do the work together and I don't have to do it by myself. Yeah. I think one thing that I, that I notice is when I'm friends with therapists who have the same language. And then when I'm friends with people that are not therapists and it's harder to say things like that. Yeah. Um, because there isn't like a shared sort of like, is the word vernacular? I don't know if that's the right word. Um, but yeah, so I'm wondering, cause I don't think everybody that listens to our podcast is a therapist. Yeah. I'm wondering about like, just thoughts on how to have these sorts of conversations when you're not somebody who's a therapist or you're friends with people that aren't therapists or you're just starting your own therapy journey. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think this is Brene Brown language, the story I'm telling myself, or there's a part of me that like, I'm thinking about Chad and I um, in our romantic relationship can attune to each other's those parts because we're seeing them as separate. We're like, Oh your essential self knows that I'm not being terrible to you right now, but there's like a part of you that is telling yourself a story. And Mm -hmm. I think, I do think we can do that with friends. I think we can Mm -hmm. say like, I'm telling the story I'm telling myself is you're mad at me or Mm -hmm. I don't know. 
Yeah. It's fascinating how things are like literally never personal <laughs> in life. It's like uh-huh. such a, it's so crazy how our, our brain can spin so many stories based on our wounding. Yeah. That yeah makes us believe things are so about us when they're just not about us ever. Yeah. Usually yeah. never about yeah. us. Yeah. And I, and talking about it, it's like so scary, but so I think the, what you said, like, if you don't share the vernacular, maybe you're someone who like is into this language and you do a lot of self-development. Um, I really think you can still talk to people who aren't because I think that the fear is like sharing that part of you and you might not get a response. And that's where we need to think about how do you cultivate emotionally safe relationships? How do you think you do? Mm, by being vulnerable yeah like I mean I think there's like discernment in like who is safe so there's maybe some like a assessment period of a friendship where you're like are you someone who's gonna be able to hold space for me are you not and I actually just think time and like trial like uh, a little bit like you have to a little bit leap and say like I'm gonna I'm gonna share something with you and see and every time uh, not not every time, but every time lately where I've listened to like who I could share with, like about some like harder stuff in my life, um, like it's been right. So another part is like trusting yourself and also not beating yourself up if you're wrong. If, mm-hmm. if you tell someone something, you try to be vulnerable and they're not emotionally safe for you, um, be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. How do you think you develop emotionally safe relationships? I mean, I, I think it it's the same. It's bravery. It's funny. I've been watching, um, well, I love listening to Armchair Expert, um, Dak Shepard's podcast. And yeah, he should have us on there. Yeah, he should. That'd be so <laughs> awesome. Um, but um, he interviewed Pamela Anderson recently and I find her story to be super fascinating just because she um, her kind of like sexuality and her like relationship with her sexuality, um, and her just posing in play- playboy was all a response to her own trauma and like her rec- reclaiming her power. Um, and she also like got famous during a time where, you know, women were really like stepping into, um, you know, being powerful and professional and all of those things. But at the same time, it was still really okay to like objectify and verbally abuse women who decided to, um, pose nude or just be out there with their bodies in whatever ways they wanted to be. And so she was just really a victim of, um, it's just fascinating in terms of like feminism and the like, timeline of how feminism has evolved her like experience from like now 30 years later is just really interesting. So anyway, it's a total tangent, but she's been married like, I don't know, seven times or something like that. And she talks about like her own relationship with, um, codependence and just kind of like always be always looking for this lust instead of love sort of feelings. But she says, if you want to be in love or if you want to have a loving relationship, and she was talking about this with her two sons, you have to be brave. Like that is the most 
important component of any type of love, whether it's romantic love or it's friendship love or it's love of your child or of your parent or of your sibling, you have to be brave. Like there is just no, it is the, it's the stupidest thing we do is love. It's, it's the thing that we need more than anything as human beings is connection and love, but it's really stupid because like we will get hurt. It's a part of it. Yeah. And when it's interesting, when you say brave, connecting to that, to the inner child is your essential self or your adult self or your wise self gets to be brave for your inner child. Right. So if you're like, I want to tell my partner this, or I want to tell my friend this, but I'm scared. You get to kind of hold your inner child's hand and say, we can do it. We can tell them how they made us feel, or we can tell them that we're scared. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. We don't have to hide anymore, Mm -hmm. or we don't have to um, pretend anymore. Yeah. We c- I'm going to honor you by telling your friend that you're scared right now or you're struggling. Yeah. It's interesting though because there are certain relationships where I find myself knowing that they're not safe and knowing that doing that is not worth it. Yeah. Um. So like I think you mentioned discernment earlier, but I think having that discernment is so important. Like who is worth my bravery and courage mm-hmm. and who is not? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's the part of us like, yes, we'll get hurt in love and it's like the biggest risk. But I think that that's where we get to. I don't think you can protect yourself by discernment either. Right. I even think two people who love each other can hurt. Mm-hmm. I know, I know this. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it, it always is worth it. Like we, we keep doing it because it's worth it. Right. Yeah. Say more about what you meant by discernment in relationships like, doesn't protect you. Like like you you and I can hurt each other still. We love each other deeply and I could still feel hurt by you. You could still be, feel hurt by me. Um, and so I, I, I'm not the job is not to protect us from getting hurt. The job is to like show up. I mean, with safe people. This is not like don't show up with people who are going to shit all over you. Um but even in, even when I discern you're safe, it's still really risky and it's worth it, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, of the times where you get to meet my inner child with love, it healing happens. And if you don't meet my inner child with love, then I can do that work. Totally. You know? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. Are you having any other thoughts? No, just that I... I love this work. What What's your favorite thing about this work? I mean, I think the chance to show up more as you. Like, I think that's the whole, I mean, I think that's the whole goal, right? Is to like take up space as you are. And mm. that allows us to receive and give in like authentic ways that feel meaningful. Because I don't know why we're on this earth except for that. That's, yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. I When I think back to times where... Um, I was not in touch with my authentic self or was in touch with my authentic self, but also, uh, was way more concerned with pleasing everyone else. Um, yeah, uh, that was a recipe for massive anxiety and depression. Yeah. Like all the time, just constant churning in my stomach and not just feeling out of body almost. Yeah. And that pleaser part. So we could like look at inner child work for the pleaser part. And we would be like, why does it make sense that she was trying to please? She was she was doing something good. We're not mad at her, but she doesn't have to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's like the intersection with emotional safety, growth, 
self-love mm-hmm. it like all meets here mm-hmm. like accepting all the parts of ourselves yeah it's so yeah. freaking juicy it is <laughs> it is so juicy it's like wow just being um a wise parent to ourselves is yes just such a beautiful rich adventure and i i do think it continues to evolve i've been thinking this is a whole other topic and we have to wrap up soon but i've just been thinking a lot about aging and how like terrifying it is and like mortality just like knowing that we're gonna die one day and that took a that that, i know i know that's like a total (laughs) four thing to do by the way but but i have it it's been on my mind a lot and i've been thinking about how like to suit like how people who are lucky enough to live a long life and they they they're facing death consciously as opposed to people who just die suddenly like they have to be like soothing themselves in some way, like yeah, knowing that their life is coming to an end and how like that essential self or that parent self, I don't know if you would consider those two yeah. one in the same, but like has to be growing with us. Like we talked about at the beginning as we literally like age and grow and move through different life phases, like, it's just yeah. pretty interesting. So I don't, and I, so I think you're right there too, that inner child work doesn't even end at that point. Yeah. Right. We're always integrating her, our little one, yeah. him, mm-hmm. them into ourselves again, um, even when we're, you know, facing death. Um, but I think that it gets easier because we're like befriending that little self that yeah. feels scared or like didn't know or, Yeah. It gets easier if we practice. If we practice. Yeah, if we're doing this work. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And you said reparenting, and I just want to say, yeah, I think like in in the attachment world, that's the word. And I used to think about this. My, I had the supervisor who told me when you have like a wound, an attachment wound, which is really an inner child wound, right? Like you were abandoned by a parent, let's say that's it a more extreme example. Um, but the, you were abandoned. Um, and so you developed anxious attachment. Um, the, the, she always used to tell me, but the cool thing about attachment is you can, you can reparent yourself and have healthy attachment by yourself. And I heard my inner child be like, I don't want to, right. I want my mom to do it. (laughs) Right. Or like, I I need a parent to show up and do it. And so I like know that feeling when I talk to clients about like, we can do this work ourselves and in like adult relationships. And I know there's an inner part of them that says, I don't want to. Right. But, and, but how you just described it in like old age, it's like, wow, we get to it. So like, I, I feel like less resistance Mm -hmm. as you shared that. Mm, Well, that also made me feel less resistance when you said it back. So yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. So what's your encouragement? Um, My encouragement is that you listen to what your inner child is asking, what they're scared of, what they love, and you meet them with compassion. Mm. And you just say, that makes sense that you feel that way or that you want that and then go from there. I love that. I want to just ditto okay. your, your encouragement. You can do that. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Signing off. Signing off. <laughs> <laughs>